Coming to you from Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville, this is The Quinn Spin. Hey now, and welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of... The Quinn Spin. I'm your host, The Quinn. I'm back here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, and more for another riveting installment of the official podcast of Underground Music Collective. You just heard Revel 9's All I've Become. That's our opening theme song. Has been since 2014. Will be until the end of time, including into 2022, because we're almost there. We're almost through 2021. Happy holidays. Happy December. You haven't heard my voice in a couple weeks, but that's fine. You're hearing it right now, and you're not only going to hear my voice, you're going to hear the voice of Caitlin Quisenberry, who's our guest today on The Quinn Spin. And she does an amazing job with her music, making it relatable and accessible, but also keeping things authentic. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about her serendipitous journey from Denver to Nashville and all of the stops before, in between, and where she hopes to go. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to have you. Glad we can make this happen. Uh, me too. I know, finally. I'm very impressed with your intro, too. That was exciting. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's about eight and a half years, you know, of, of actually longer, because I did this in college, too, before I restarted it. Oh, wow. So you got your practice in. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's it's automatic. I pretty much, I probably do do it in my sleep. Probably pretty scary to the neighbors. But anyway, enough about that. We're here to focus on you. And... It's wonderful to have you, like I said, and I ask every guest of the show to start us off three standard questions. You can answer these however you want. Those three questions are, who are you, what are your passions, and why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? Well, I am Caitlin Quisenberry, and I am a country music artist full-time now. My passions are singing. Um, I love to paint as well. I have a whole separate art account that I dedicate towards just painting. And um, I'm recently getting into digital art with all the NFTs and everything going on right now in the world. Um, I also love to play tennis. I was varsity tennis growing up in high school, so I like to still keep that in my life. And um, I'm trying to think anything else. I'm a, I'm a new TikToker. <laughs> I still have not gotten on that train, and I know I need to. Yes, I'm just like resisting. I resisted for yeah. the last year, and finally, I'm I'm just that's going to be my new goal of 2022. Yeah, <laughs> that and I finally need to actually wrap my head around NFTs, which you're ahead of the game. Yes, you know, there too, because I I know nothing about that world either. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I educate myself every night for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels like yeah, it feels like the type of thing that you really like need to know like what you're doing before you actually go and create an NFT. Yes, which is scary. You know, <laughs> I know it's like minted forever. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and then why on earth would you want to come on this show? Yes, well, I've heard amazing things. I love what you're doing for other artists, and I wanted to grow my fan base and be able to connect with more people. Well, hopefully we can do that for you here at the Queen Spin. And so let's start from the beginning, shall we? So music's been a part of your life forever, right? From, I think you started singing when you were three. And then from there, you've had like so many experiences along the way that are special, unique. You earned a golden ticket on American Idol. You spent some time studying in Switzerland. You've gone to work with so many amazing people. And I just want to give you a chance to take us through some of your formative experiences growing up and how those have shaped you on your creative path. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I, yeah, I started when I was three years old in piano lessons, and I didn't really have the attention span during the piano lessons mm-hmm. to really make it through the lesson. So the so my teacher would always say, if you can play the song, if you can get through the lesson, then you can sing at the end. And so I guess that was what really told me that my true passion was singing from an early age. And I would sing Little Mermaid and all the princess songs. So that was kind of the first thing. And then um, I was always kind of shy. I didn't like to sing. I was I sometimes didn't audition for things in elementary school. And my parents encouraged me to to audition for American Idol when I was only 15. They had just lowered the age from 16 to 15. And so it was the first year they were doing that and they just really encouraged me. It would be a great way to get in front of an audience and perform. And, um, you know, they, they knew I loved to sing. So they flew me to Oklahoma and that's where I auditioned because I was, I'm originally from Colorado, but they didn't come to Colorado that year. And so I auditioned and it looks a lot different than it does on TV. You actually have to make it through 10 different rounds before you actually get to see. Yeah. There's a lot of like executive producers and, um, it was pretty crazy, honestly, um, before you even get to see the judges. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up making it to the judges and winning a golden ticket and getting pushed through to Hollywood. And so it was really awesome to be like one of the youngest contestants there and really just get to be fully immersed in that kind of an experience. Yeah, that blows my mind. Ten rounds just yeah. to see the judges. Yeah, I know. And the judges, they really only see about 20 good people and uh-huh. then 20 like costume or like whatever would make the show interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the judges really, even though they look exhausted, like, oh, we saw a hundred thousand people. To, no, they like saw forty. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of theater that goes. In there's a little thing. bit of theater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, how long does it take for you to go through all those rounds, though, as a contestant? So that it's actually broken up into a couple of days. Okay. So you really you make it through like the first the first day is like pretty long because they're making they're getting through the entire stadium full of people, mm-hmm. and you basically line up in groups of four and you step forward and you sing. And there's 10 different booths. So you're like singing on top of a bunch of other people. So it's pretty crazy and wild. And then if they like you, they'll be like, step forward. We're pushing you to the next round. And then you go into a different room. You meet with higher up people. And then you finally get into the room where the judges will be sitting. But it's just like executive producers in their place. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the final round where they decide if you get to meet the judges or not. And you come back a second day and you actually meet the judges. Then, Mm -hmm. So so like they put you through the gauntlet. You you really earn that golden ticket. You do. Yeah. You're exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. Yeah. yeah. And so I want to I want to know more about after that. You know, going to college. Going. To, I, I'm going to butcher the artist name that you studied with <laughs> there. In Switzerland, oh but, yes, Katrine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she was a renowned opera singer in Lausanne, Switzerland, and I was a I had a vocal um, emphasis at Pepperdine, and yeah. typically if you're in the top choir, they don't allow you to go abroad and study mm-hmm. abroad because you have to be, you know, you have to be with your choir learning the music. Music. And it was traveling has always been something that's so important to me. And so I really wanted to make that happen. And so I made a deal with my professor. I said, if I can just go for the semester, I will study, I will find someone in Switzerland who's an opera singer and I will learn all my music. And when I come back in the summer, I'll be ready to go on tour. And he agreed. And so that's what I did. I, I found a, a she was pretty much fully French speaking. So we communicated through like body movements. Like if she didn't like the way I was breathing when I was singing, she would like tap my stomach or fix my posture, um, which was really cool that we were able to do that with 
this language barrier going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was such a wonderful experience, but it was all classical. So I was singing German, Latin, Italian opera mm-hmm. before doing country music. So right. I have a very classical, different background. And I also went to a Church of Christ school where there's no instrumentation allowed. So it's all just acapella. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of cool because I feel like it's given me a a different advantage um, in country music because mm-hmm. I was classically trained. Yeah. I have a huge range. I know how to support um, my breath when I sing. And um, so I'm really happy to have that background. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. If you're classically trained, you can do anything. It's just like being, <laughs> it's just like being a jazz drummer. You can play drums in any genre of music in any band on earth. Absolutely. At it. You know, because you learn so much about music theory and the nuances and what musicianship truly is at its core. Exactly. Yeah, you start with like kind of the fundamentals and then you can build from there and go into different genres. So it was it's really awesome. It's kind of weird that I went into country music, but I would always post videos singing and people would always come back and say, you kind of have this country twang to your voice. Mm. And so that's kind of how I started doing country music. It was just from what people were suggesting and hearing when I would post a video. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, so how do you go from (laughs) the classical to, like, country? Yeah, I honestly, and I'm not, like, from the South. I have... Like my family is kind of from uh, Kentucky, so maybe yeah. that's where I originally get it from. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would sing like Adele or you know Stevie Nicks and different things. But I I always did kind of have like this kind of yodel or like country twing. Mm-hmm. So I guess I was just born with that sound, and it makes sense to go into country. And I love the thing I love about country music is the stories and the lyrics that you know all the songs tell in country music. That's su- like something that's super important to me when I songwrite, and yeah. so I just love the genre for that. If you're listening to me speak right now, there's a good chance that you're a musician, a content creator, some kind of entrepreneur. Whatever the case, that means that you're a business owner and all business owners need to have a system for managing their finances. And I will be the first to tell you that this was absolutely terrifying to me at first. And that was until I spoke with Dan Bobick of MoneyWorks Financial Coaching. MoneyWorks Financial Coaching helps early to mid-career singles and couples organize their finances. Dan works individually with clients, like you and me, to build a personalized system for effectively managing their finances so that they can live and give with joy and confidence. After I consulted with Dan, I can tell you I was no longer terrified by the money conversation. Dan's approach and demeanor gave me the peace of mind and reassurance I needed to feel like I was in control of my finances and that they were on the right track. My relationship with money has improved exponentially and I now move forward with more confidence in my business and my life. You can schedule a free consultation by going to moneyworkscoaching.com. I guarantee you'll gain confidence and perspective on your finances and when you do, you can use my coupon code. It is UMC5 at checkout for a 5% discount on MoneyWorks Financial Coaching Services. Again, that is UMC5. Head to moneyworkscoaching.com. So after college, you go back to Denver, right? You're there. Mm-hmm. Um, you were about to go to law school. I was, yeah. <laughs> so after all these amazing experiences in music, you're about to go to law school. And then you had an opportunity to pursue music once again full time as a professional. So what was the spark there that led you back to music? And what were some of the moments along the way that led you here and led you to being able to 
come here and pursue this as a career? Yeah, so I music had always been in my life, but I never really considered it to uh, as being like a career mm-hmm. for me because I never really saw how you could make money at it and how like a passion could be a, a career really. So I went the logical route and I was going to go to law school and do entertainment law. Mm-hmm. So I was still getting my music fixed, but from yeah. a more practical, logical standpoint. Right. And um, I even, I'm you know, my major in college was philosophy. So I was totally geared towards go, mm-hmm. like studying for the LSAT and I even graduated with a certificate in conflict management and dispute resolution from Pepperdine Law. Mm-hmm. So I was like ready to go. And it was when I was studying for the LSAT that I started to miss having music in my life. Um, it was, I had graduated from college and so I was no longer in choir and it really had just left my life completely. And so I decided to post a video on Instagram, which at the time I usually never would share like my music or sing that much on, mm-hmm. on my socials. And so people were kind of shocked that I posted a video and it ended up flagging the attention of a producer in Nashville. And he invited me to come fly out to Nashville for the first time and mm-hmm. record with him and that he would kind of take me under his wing and become like a, his breakout artist. Yeah. And I, you know, I had never been to Nashville. I didn't even know Nashville was really a thing at the time. <laughs> and uh, I told my parents about it and, and they were, they encouraged me to go. You know, they, they said law school is always there, but you can't always go and chase your dream and you won't always get these opportunities. Yeah. And so I flew out here, I guess, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I recorded four songs and the first song got put on CMT mm-hmm. and Leslie Fram uh, just w- became a mentor to me and was emailing back and forth and... Um, I just decided, you know, I, I just feel like I need to, I just started thinking I need to like look at the signs and see where like God is taking me. And I felt like it was pushing me towards Nashville and just some really weird like things started to happen. Um, that kind of made me think that I belonged in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Like one was my roommate, uh, she, well, my, my current roommate, but she she had texted me saying that her roommate was uh, no longer going to Vanderbilt. And so a room was opening up yeah. and she's like, I, I know you're a singer, so I, maybe you would want to move to Nashville. And um, my lease was coming available up at June 15th in Denver. And so I was going to have to find a new place to live. And so I said, okay, well, when is your room coming available? And she said, June 15th. So it was like the same (laughs) exact day. It was really weird. Um, And then my parents decided to move to Nashville with me and their realtor, uh, she's like, oh, you're moving for your daughter. Well, my husband, um, he's a huge songwriter in Nashville and he's the producer for Zach Brown Band and the main writer for them. They should Mm -hmm. get together in the room. And so he ended up becoming my producer from a Zillow real estate agent. Like, it's just crazy. So, um, and that's really how Nashville works. It's just like all these little connections that happen organically. And uh, yeah, I just decided to listen to the signs and then see where they led me and they led me to Nashville. That's that's in the air around here, isn't it? Because like I had a similar, you know, I had a similar opportunity where I had friends who already lived here and they had gotten married. They were buying a house, but they're like, okay, if we're going to buy a house, we need a roommate to start. Yeah, I had just talked to them like right before they went through the process of buying this house about, I want to make a change. You know, I was in Pennsylvania at the time. I like, I wanted to go to a music market. I was thinking about New York. Yeah. It's a lot closer to Pennsylvania than New York. Which makes, yeah, makes sense. You know, and then they just happened to be up visiting because uh, me, me and my friend Adam were both from New Jersey. And they happened to be up visiting. I met them for dinner and I told them like, yeah, I'm going to make a move soon. I don't quite know what yet. Two days later, they start trying to get me to move here. Wow. And then like as... Yeah, I, I had those like weird little things happen too, where it's like just follow this trail, follow this trail. Like, I start applying to jobs, 
in Nashville. I wasn't getting anything out of New York. Like I was applying for a couple of weeks. I went there a couple of times, dropped off resumes. As soon as I start applying to jobs in Nashville, hours later, I'm getting calls from recruiters. That's like, crazy. This is the move. I know. And yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. I feel like people do really end up where they're meant to be and things just happen and work out the way that they're supposed to. Yeah. So, yeah. And your testament, your story is testament to that as well. Yeah. 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 I, it's it's amazing how that's in the air. And also another point, you know, is the people here, yeah, you don't know who they know, but also the people here want to help you, you know, because everyone this is, you know, it's a city of people from everywhere. You know, it's becoming really this melt pot Nashville where you know everyone came here for a reason everyone came here to follow a dream or to start fresh everybody knows what it's like to be the new person you don't meet too many natives right so everyone gets where you're at when you're at the beginning of that journey because they were just there you it's know? true yeah yeah everyone's really like willing to just help yeah yeah and if you're if you're here to do good work for the right reasons you're gonna make those connections you know you're gonna make those connections you're gonna make those relationships over mm -hmm. time and you're going to have every opportunity to grow. And that's a beautiful thing about being here that like, I don't know that you can find in a city as big as New York or LA where it's so huge and you just get swallowed up by the grandiosity of it. Right. Right. I know. And the kind of the culture here is like, there's room for everybody, you know, you, there's not just going to be one good country singer, you know, like if, if there's room for everyone so we can all encourage each other mm -hmm. and help each other along the way. There's, it's not as cutthroat as a lot of other cultures are. Yeah. 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 And I mean, not just country, you know, you're starting to see every genre. Every, that's so true. Yeah. yeah it, that's very true. There's a big pop scene here now. Yeah. Hip hop's actually on the rise here. Hip hop, soul, like, yeah. And you're seeing, yeah, you're seeing so much. Like the breaking down of the silos is, I guess, what I would call it, where like people are reaching across genres, people are trying, you know, trying to collaborate with people of other genres, other backgrounds. You know, uh, a friend of mine is a hip hop artist. They're releasing like a country hip hop song, I think, in January. I love it. See, that's my favorite thing is like blurring genres yeah. and just kind of like even country like you can be pop country and you can really like crossover mm -hmm. now there's a lot of crossover artists yeah. i feel like i'm even a little bit crossover right now mm -hmm. and i just love that that you can do that and that the genres are being blurred more and more each day oh yeah yeah and you can go you can go a number of different ways with your music you know just creatively in general you know anytime you want really that's yeah. the beauty of this is you don't have to i think in today's industry you don't have to be married to a particular sound because there's there's an ear out there for everything right you know you take somebody like taylor swift you know where her sound has evolved so much over the course of her career mm -hmm. you know she started in the pop country realm then went into the big stadium pop era and then Went back, you know, now she's going back, re-releasing re a bunch of stuff, different interpretations of these songs. Um, you, you know, like there's so much room to show your versatility over the course of your career and over the course of time. You know? Yeah, that's a great point, because I feel like a lot of people wait a long time to actually record until they figure out what their sound is. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I think it's better to record and take your listeners along with you mm -hmm. as you evolve as an artist. Let them be a part of that journey. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is like you're going to have you're going to have people who hear the first sound, right? And they're they're going to want everything to be like that. that for a sound, you know. True. You see that all the time. There's a Linkin Park lyric. Once you have a theory of how the thing works, everybody wants the next thing to be just like the first. <laughs> and yes. there's something to be said for that, but you then like it matters how you connect with your fans from mm -hmm. there because if you actually make a true artist to audience connection with them as your authentic self, what you sound like, what sound you're putting out, what you're experimenting with in that moment doesn't matter as much as, ooh, this artist, I like this artist, what are they doing now? 
Right. They yeah. they fall in love with you as the person. Mm-hmm. And then the music is, I don't want to say it's secondary, but they, they support what kind of music you put out because it's coming from you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I use the example all the time. If you're playing the Quinspin drinking game, take a drink of Lady Gaga and how she's done that over the course of her career. You know, she started, you know, she made her money in the pop world. You know, those first few years where she got huge, like 2008 through like 2012. Then she's doing jazz albums. She's doing movies. Like she's doing whatever she wants because it's not a particular sound. She's the trend, but right. she planted the seeds that early in her career before the fame blew up when she was connecting one-on-one with her fans yes when she was building those relationships and being her authentic self and standing up for causes Mm -hmm. you know standing up for certain segments of her of her fan base right and really showing who she is as a human being above all else you know which is increasingly important in this age where we're starting to break down these walls on social media and starting to get more transparent about who we are and what we struggle with. Very true. I know. And I, at the end of the day, the most important thing, even when you're songwriting, is connecting mm-hmm. and making something you know that everyone can relate to. Yeah, which you're doing a great job of, by the way. And that is a perfect segue, <laughs> if I do say so myself, to go into your songwriting a little bit and this balance that you have struck that's very can be very challenging to strike between relatability and accessibility and sound and authenticity and really just putting your personal self into the into these stories and you have a perfect marriage of this in what you've released so far and thank you i want to dig more into your process you know as far as how you strike that balance yeah i think i really do keep that in mind um wanting to like what what do i want my message to be as an artist Mm -hmm. and how do i want that to hit my fans and that is the most important thing to me is that it connects Mm -hmm. with people because i think that's the most important thing as humans is that we're connecting with each other and so i really do take real life instances that happen in my life you know relationships breakups happy times Mm -hmm. and um Sometimes I make them more universal so that other people can, um, you know, kind of relate to it. So with with my song, What If, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, it kind of touches on the whole idea of the butterfly effect. You know, we all have these what if moments, you know, what if I went to this college Mm -hmm. or what if I moved to this city or take took this job and. Personally, I thought about that in terms of a relationship. You know, I was in a relationship that left me with a lot of what ifs. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote it on that personal level. But yet it relates back to a huge universal um, lesson that we all can learn from and that we all think about. And I like writing about those things because I don't think we talk about how a lot of the time we kind of get in this loophole of what if and uh, thinking about things that we can't change in the past. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to normalize that and say, hey, those are normal feelings that we all have and that we all want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And we all have those stories. We we do. Yeah. hmm, Maybe, you know, I, I, I've, I've actually in 2021 tried to be a lot more present, like here and now, like what actions can I take today? So I'm not saying what if. (laughs) Those are the healthier (laughs) ways to approach something. It takes a lot of time to get there. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, for, for the longest time and I still find myself doing it, you know, it's like, what if I started this earlier? You know, like mm-hmm. what if I started this podcast when I was fresh out of college instead right. of when I was 26? You yeah. Know? What if I didn't stay in this situation or this relationship for this long? Like, you know, it's easy to get caught in the weeds of like how different life would be and how much further along would I be? Yes. Right. But also it's like, you can look at it the other way too and be like, well, what if I didn't take this leap? How much different would my life be? You know, like, 
what if you never moved to Nashville? Like, what would your life look like today? Exactly. I know. And it's kind of, it's like, it can be a negative thing or it can be a cool, like kind of hypothetical experiment. And I think I really fell upon that idea from being a philosophy major Mm because we always think about hypotheticals and what if situations. And I I don't know. I think that's kind of also a fun thing to play and and to do with your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, as long as you do it in in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a circling of the drain that can happen. Yes. (laughs) We've all circled that train haven't yes. we but yeah I mean it's it, it, it does help you break down like you know and be more present eventually and come back to that like analyzing your actions in a more present moment of hmm, if I do this then I can do that or if I do this well then this goes out the window <laughs> kind of thing. Like, totally <laughs> you know there, there are forks in the road every single day many of them based on the little teeny tiny decisions we make and that is the essence of the butterfly effect I know it's scary like when you think about like oh had I made that stoplight how different my life would have been or had I you know not forgotten my keys and not had to walk back up I, it's little things that we honestly don't even think about that really do have a huge impact on our life, which yeah. is crazy and cool to think about. <laughs> yeah. Like you could be in a particular moment. It just feels like any other. Yeah. And you walk outside and you notice like, you know, not to be morbid, but like, you know, some, sometimes you have a situation where, you know, you're five minutes late leaving and then on your route, there's a bad accident. Exactly. And you're like, oh, yeah. Glad I didn't leave when I was going to leave. You know? Right. It, like, and it goes the other way, too, of course, with the good things. It does. <laughs> you know, it's like. It's a two-way street. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's the essence of life is it's this composite experience, right, where, you know, there's what we view as good and what we view as bad, but there's always action we can take after that no matter what, you know. There's always something that we can do to create the next outcome, you know, as long as we're still kicking, you know. Like, that's that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I love this. This is great. (laughs) I know. Well, and it's funny, too, because I when I wrote the song, I wrote it. I started it by myself in my bedroom and I showed it to my producer and he's like, well, there is that what if Kane Brown song. Mm -hmm. And I'm and he's like, so I don't know if you should write about a what another what if thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, but there's so many things within what if that you can write about that Mm -hmm. haven't been, you know, like from a relationship side of things or there's just so many different takes you can do on it. And so I didn't let that stop me. And I'm I'm happy I did because I felt like a lot of people related to this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's a Creed song called What If Too from the 90s. Hey, like, there's so there you many, go. Yeah. So many what ifs in life and in music. <laughs> yes. Yeah, hey, it, can, it can be done. It can be done. So. <laughs> I, yeah, this this is fantastic. We have Caitlin Quisenberry here on The Quinn Spin. Very excited to have you once again. And so I do want to turn an eye to the more recent past, as, as in this past Friday, you released a special holiday tune. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, I am. Um, <clears throat> I just released a song called Oh Holy Night. Mm-hmm. So it's a cover yeah. for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And But I did, I put three key changes in it. And I rewrote the bridge. So I made it my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm really excited about it. And I definitely wanted to end the year releasing a Christmas song. And I waited until after Thanksgiving because um, I'm a huge believer in not listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Yes, it's over. So I made it a point to wait uh, to release it. Um, and so now I feel like we can all lean into the holiday spirit. And uh, I really hope people like it. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Like, it's November 1st. I just, I, I just can't. Just, I just yeah. refuse. So it's still 75 <laughs> degrees here. Like, yeah. I can't do two months of it. No. Just, no. No. Like, see, usually I'm focused on Christmas like the week of Christmas, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, it takes me a little while to get there because it's like, oh, yeah, that's next week. 
you got to start shopping. So. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. And I love Christmas and I love decorating for it. But I know I grew up like my dad is always like Christmas Eve. He's like, oh, let's go get your mom something. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Christmas Eve. What <laughs> <laughs> was that today? Yeah. So I'm not quite that bad. But I also really like to enjoy my separate holidays. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's that's. Yeah, exactly. Like Thanksgiving, like it's its own thing. Yeah. I love Thanksgiving. Like, I love Thanksgiving, too. Yeah. yeah it's, it's great. But yeah. And, and with this one, it was fun because it is I didn't do it fully country either. Mm. And since it has three key changes, I feel like it is showing more of my classical training side. Yeah. And so that's been kind of fun to release something that is such a wide range and show my listeners a different side of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is amazing and bodes well for the future, you know, and all the th- all the different directions, all the different little paths and actions you can take, right? Absolutely. Uh, a butterfly effect. It can become anything from <laughs> Yes. There. So what's it going to become in 2022? What do you have coming up for us? So I, well, to be honest with you, I have music scheduled throughout till August of 2022. So I'm definitely a planner. But what I can share with you right now is I'll be releasing my first EP stripped down version of a couple of songs that I've released um, this year. And they're going to be just kind of more just just guitar and vocal, no backup singers, nothing. So just kind of like a really raw, not as not a mastered track like what I've previously released. And then I'm also releasing, I'm super excited about this. There's a song off Cody Johnson's new album that he released. I don't want to say which one, but about a year and a half ago, my producer pitched this song to me and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I wanted to record it. And so we went back and tried to get it and they said a country artist had just put it on hold, a male Mm -hmm. country artist. And at the time, I didn't know that it was Cody Johnson, but now that he released it and it was a male artist, I thought it would be cool to show a female perspective. And so that'll be the next song that I release after the Stripped Down EP. Very nice. So a lot coming up. What about live shows, touring, anything? Yes. So I, so it's funny because I took a year off from releasing music because I really wanted to hone in on my sound. And when I moved to Nashville, I was getting with new producers and new writers. And so I really took that time um, just to like figure out my sound. And so the goal, the goal has always been to release my new music, get a following behind that, and then start playing live and hopefully touring so that people are able to come out and see me. So that is probably the the next step in 2022 is to start booking some live shows and getting mm-hmm. to meet people in person. We should talk about that after the show, actually, because we have our own events thing happening at UMC called Nash Live as well. But that's neither here nor there. Awesome. Go check it out online. Uh, <laughs> The sky's the limit. You know, I'm really excited for you and what's to come here in 2022. And again, it seems like you can go so many different directions in your career and creatively and do whatever you want. So all the power to you, Caitlin. Thank you. Caitlin Quisenberry joining us on The Quinspin. I have a couple more questions before we start to wrap things up. The first question is more Nashville-centric. Now, you've lived here a little bit. You've had a chance to get involved in the community and get immersed in everything. What's one lesson that you've learned in your time here so far that you would impart to somebody thinking about making the leap? Oh, man. So I I actually I have a weekly newsletter and I actually did a topic on this just last week. So I'll probably use this one, but it's a saying my dad always used to say to me. And it's that opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. And so I think that's a huge thing to keep in mind when, especially when you're a singer, because I feel like it's it's such a personal thing when you're a singer because it's part of you. Your instrument is 
you, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so if someone says they don't like you or they don't like your voice, you take personal offense mm-hmm. to it more so than probably anything else. Yeah. And it's so important to remember that you can walk into one room and they might not be your cup of tea and you'll walk into another and they'll love you. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important to, you know, take criticism and with a grain of salt because yeah. it, you don't want to be super egotistical and never listen to advice either. But um, to just keep that in mind that everyone's going to have an opinion. And so the, the most important thing for an artist at the end of the day, I think, is to really figure out what they like and yeah. you know w- release what you love mm-hmm. because at the end of the day you know that's going to be around forever like my great great grandchildren are going to be able to hear what my voice sounds like which is so awesome yeah. and I want to be able to like that music yeah. <laughs> as well right. so I, that's the advice I would give yeah you know it reminds me too of you know putting out into the world the energy which you wish to attract yes right like because like you said not everybody's going to be your cup of tea and vice versa you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea you know right. whether that's that's in music, whether that's just in life, mm-hmm. you know, like there are always going to be those different, you know, clashing energies that we run into. Yes. Right? But over time you find what yours is, you know, and I think first you need to find that within yourself, you know, and you need to find out what makes you tick. What do you like? What do you want to put out there? What do you want to do? And then you go and you find you put that out there and the universe God, whatever, you you know, whatever you want to give or whoever you want to give credit to will find a way to bring that back to you. Like it's it's just one of the laws of the universe. And it's taken, I think it's taken me a long time to really understand that. You know, it's so easy, I think, in this industry, in any creative industry to lean too much on what other people think it should be, what other people think you should do. But really, the answer has been here the entire time. Yeah. It's just hard to really tap in and trust that, you know, with the conditioning and the layers of, you know, things that we've learned over the courses of our lives of what should and shouldn't be, what's good and what's not. True. Yeah. And and I, you know, coming from like a, a whole acting background before and being in rooms with producers, producers that are not the nicest people or, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you try out for a hundred different roles before you get one. And I think having that background really taught me that it's kind of a numbers game at some point and you kind of have to just stick with it. And that's why they call Nashville a 10 year town also, mm-hmm. because it's the people who like are able to stick it through and really believe in themselves that end up making it. Endurance is a powerful thing. It is. It really is. Yeah. Like you have to stick and you have to make mistakes. You have to be comfortable. Yes. You, you have to be willing to take risks. Yeah. You, you know, and that's, that's, I think the most uncomfortable thing for a lot of people, for most people is to really just stick your neck out there and say, no matter what, like I'm doing this. Yeah. Like, because it's so easy to have a fallback. It's expected to have some kind of fallback. Oh, well, you know, I tried the Nashville thing for a couple right. of years. Let me go back now. Let me go back yep. home. And I'm the Nashville artist in my hometown now. So I'm the big deal. You know, <laughs> exactly. I'm a big fish in the small pond. You know, would you rather be that or would you rather really take a shot, take this as far as it can go and have that kind of impact that I think as creative people, we all strive to have. We all want to touch and reach as many people as possible. Yeah. I mean, on that note, I had a lot of people tell me not to move to Nashville and they're like, don't you want to stay in Colorado? Because like no one else is doing what you're doing. And really, Mm -hmm. there's not that many. Or do you want to go to Nashville? And like, it's just so oversaturated and all of that. But I'm like, but... I mean, that's where it's at. That's where I'm going to collaborate. That's where I'm going to meet the best songwriters, mm-hmm. work with the amazing producers. Like, I'd rather I'd rather surround myself by 
around those type of people than be like the biggest person in the room yeah. and, and yeah. not grow from it, you know? Yeah, I got to the same point in Pennsylvania because Underground Music Collective was Lehigh Valley Underground back in the day. Nice. And like I have people, oh, you're not going to be able to build the community you've built here. Mm. And like, oh, well, it's so much bigger. You're going to get swallowed up. I'm like, I'd rather get swallowed up and see how good I actually yeah. am at this than be here, actually suck at it and think I'm the best. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would much rather go and take a shot and just kind of listen, you know, and learn, learn what I don't know, instead of being that big fish, instead of being the, quote, smartest person in the room. Because you don't grow that way. Totally. When I do rights, I always try to be the least qualified writer in the room because that's how I learn and that's how I grow is if I I have to match their level of expertise every time. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the creative energy is just so much different here than it is, again, almost anywhere else I've been in my life because – Everybody came from similar situations for the most part where it's like, all right, how else can I grow? And they they learned what true growth is from that experience, you know, from having to undo that wiring, you know, mm-hmm. that was given to them yeah. at different points in their lives and really understand what it takes to quote unquote make it. Right. You know, and making it itself is not like a moment. No, right? it's not. It, it's a process. And there's always another hill to climb after that. Like, yeah. it's not like I've made it, I'm done. You never have that feeling. Yeah, there's yeah. No, there's no finish line. And no. creatively, like, if you're still hungry creatively, that's a good thing. That means your best work's ahead of you, mm-hmm. you know? But that that's the thing I, I love about this city and this environment, too, is everyone's pushing each other to be better. You know, there's not this scarcity mindset of, oh, if you get better, then that means I'm worse. Yes. It's, no, you get better, so we all get better. Yes. You know, and that's... Like I've I've been fortunate enough to find that community here, you know, over the past three years. And I'm sure you have too, you know, among your collaborators, among the people you've had a chance to meet where it's like we're all pushing each other, but we're pushing each other in a productive oh, way. Oh, absolutely. Even even my producer, he just had a number one with Zach Brown band last week. And I, I can I like sent him a text and I was like, Congratulations on your number one. That's so amazing. He's like, Oh, thank you so much. Now it's your turn. And like mm-hmm. that is totally the mentality here is like, how can I help you? This is like a whole community yeah. of people willing to help. Yeah, and it's jarring if you're not used to that. It is. It's like, you, you want to see me win? <laughs> I know, especially like since I lived in LA, it's definitely not as, as friendly. And so it's it's been fun, or it's been nice moving here. Everyone's so nice. Yeah, yeah. It takes a little time to get used to it. <laughs> it it does. does. But one, once you're in it, once you really understand what this community is, you know, yeah. it's like, all right, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of something special that's happening here right now. Because I believe that about this city. There's, there's special stuff happening right now that's going to change this industry, you know, down the line, you know, whether it's musicians and songwriters, whether it's people on the content end and on the on the music industry end, like there are people actively working to make this industry better for all of us, right? There's stuff happening on the ground floor. And it's such an exciting time these past few years to be here and see that. Yeah. I know Nashville is definitely booming <laughs> with real estate as well. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone just moving here and everything. It's becoming a really exciting city. Oh, yeah. Half my friends are realtors like, <laughs> and they're all crushing it, too. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. I know. It's insane. Yeah. My parents have been trying to buy a house for like the last year and a half. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm right in it with them. <laughs> yeah. I uh, Banks, who's the operations manager here at home where we're recording the show, he's like, oh, you should get in on that, too. I'm like, Man, that is tempting. It is tempting. Everybody I know who's a realtor is like, oh, yeah, I just sold two houses last week. I'm like, 
hmm, do I have the time to commit to getting my real estate license? I know. That's the next question. <laughs> I know, because I hear that is kind of hard. I mean, not hard, but you, it, it takes like a lot of studying to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, somebody was telling me the other day, it's like 60 days or something. Yes, like, so it a, is a commitment. <laughs> it's rigorous and like, you do have to pay to get your license, you know, so it's like, it's one of those things you kind of have to really be committed to. Yes. But everyone who's killing it out there in the real estate game, Congrats. Congrats. And I'll be looking at you to buy a house, hopefully, in the next few years. I know. <laughs> I had one more uh, question for you, and this is more existential, broadly facing, not just Nashville. Uh, and this is something I'm going to try to ask everybody and remember to ask everybody on future episodes. If there's one thing at the end of the day, all the way in the future, that you want people to take away from your body of work and from what you have given us, you know, throughout the course of your career, what do you hope that is? That's a great question. I would say I hope that my songs give people a way to like put their feelings into in like a beautiful poetic way. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like a lot of the time people feel a certain way, but they don't have the words for it. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, in my writing sessions, when we're working on a song for two hours, I want to be able to come up with those words yeah. for those people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, relatability, again, I want to be able to connect with as many people as possible and for people to feel that connection with one another. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, like, that reminds me, like, I... I hear so many songs where I just hear a lyric and I'm like, oh, I wish I thought of that right? first. I know. <laughs> Those know? are the best songs. So you're like, why did I not write that? <laughs> it's just like, man, like they it's, nailed it. Like It seems simple, yeah. yet it's so hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I want to just put that up on my wall and use it in my everyday life, but it's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, but you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Know? you. And you're going to continue to grow and flourish here in Nashville. Super excited about what's to come. Caitlin Quisenberry here on the Quinspin once again. Before I let you go and before i do the sign off stuff just want to give you a chance to tell people where they can learn more about you they can find me on all social media platforms um, under caitlin quisenberry music and my website is caitlinquisenberry.com all right so make sure you keep up with all the updates and make sure you keep up with us here at the quinn spin there's two ends in quinn two ends in spin you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, anchor stitcher and more as well as on the socials instagram facebook twitter and at undergroundmusiccollective.com that's our central hub for all things quinn spin and otherwise related you can also find umc on all the socials instagram facebook twitter linkedin youtube follow the umc 20 playlist on spotify you'll be hearing some of caitlin's songs on that this month for sure and make sure you follow nash live as well we've got a big show at cobra it's actually like a hard rock punk like metal show we're, we're, we're really going all out this one uh friday this friday uh december 10th starts at 8 p.m and then we might have another surprise for you before the end of the year trying to finalize the details on that one <coughs> hopefully that coming ages well i have a phone call tomorrow Time featuring Timothy Miles is our closing theme song. Uh, Watch Your Back is the name of that song, which I almost forgot to say again. I'm going to leave now.